Joe Rogan discusses the book of Revelation and reads from it live on his podcast. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. Now, if you guys haven't been keeping up with Joe Rogan's views on Christianity, they have greatly shifted a lot. The whole thing's so stupid. Just stop and think how f***ing stupid that is. He went from being rather hostile in some of his takes to over time slowly softening his position. I think there's a reason why it exists, why it's so prevalent in so many cultures. It, it helps people. Listening to guys like Jordan Peterson and Stephen C. Myers about the resurrection and all of these different conversations I think are very robust. But this one tops them all. They get into the book of Revelation. And just to be clear, this is not something that is all there in terms of some of their views on it. This is a doozy of a conversation. So before we get into that, I got to first make sure you guys know to... Had your kids, had your wife. Explicit, explicit, explicit. All right, so here we go. This is from episode 2009 with Duncan Trussell. All right, 2009. And this is at about the 55-minute mark. Yeah, this is a, a, a very, very, very interesting conversation. So this is Duncan Trussell. And the context of this is they're specifically talking about a cashless society. And then this eases into the conversation about Revelation and Joe Rogan specifically reading from the book of Revelation live on the podcast. Imagine, like, how crazy. long before we're a cashless society? Hopefully forever, dude. I hope I hope forever. I hope we never like it is so scary to imagine the like losing the privacy, losing it all completely because every transaction is in the public yeah. eye or observable. That's really scary, man. I mean, it's like I don't even do anything interesting with my money. Like except like tip on the road. A lot of folks are definitely con concerned about a cashless society simply because we probably don't want the government tr being able to track everything that we can do. You know, I use my card and I know that's the argument is that's traceable. I, I realize that, but it's scary because it, there's an option. Mm -hmm. If you want to just like blow some cash on something, you can't. You could just like, no one will know it's the, whatever it is. Right. Not that I would ever use cash for anything other than legal purposes. It's just like, the, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like the- Like one day in the future, everything will be traceable. That's right. And yeah. that's, you know, this is where I get, this is where being raised an Episcopalian in, in the book of Revelations, it's gonna, as a Christian, you're gonna read it. This is this, this this gets really interesting, all right? This is where I get scared because it's too similar to the mark of the beast. It's too similar to exactly what it says. You won't be able to trade, you won't be able to do anything unless you have the mark, unless you bear the mark. So, what is that 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 in that term in the how is that described? How is the mark of the beast described in the Bible? We should read it. Cuz I think you're onto something. We're now a f We should read it. Who would have thought? That Joe Rogan would be reading the book of Revelation on his podcast. This is this is this kind of crazy when you really think about how hard his heart was towards the idea of religion in general, and then saying we should read it uh, live on the pod, and and they're about to officially podcasting. This is fucking it. We're opening up the book of Revelations. <laughs> yeah, we're in now. <sighs> yeah, the mark of the beast. It's like you can't do anything. You can't sell. You can't if you don't take the mark. You're I mean, that's that's that. Like, if you remove the ability to trade currency in a private way, yeah, you now can. You, you are now controlled. You are now monitored. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from the heaven to earth in front of people. 
and by the signs that it allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and Chat might GPT. cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. It also causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. That's pretty spooky. That's pretty spooky, by the way. The number six. Now, listen, there's been um, multiple views and discussions about this scripture. Is this talking about the end of days? Is this talking about what was happening with Nero and, uh, Nero and Christians being persecuted? Is this a preterist view of scripture, meaning that some of this stuff has already happened? Is it a futurist view of scripture? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But it definitely is pretty spooky, all right? It's definitely some pretty spooky stuff that we're reading here. You know what's so wild about that stuff, reading that? is it's really clear that they spoke differently. Yeah. And also really clear that you're getting a translation from another language. Rogan reads the, like one of the most spookiest parts in the Bible and he's like, "You know what's interesting? This reads like it's been translated. It's they spoke differently and it was yep. Mhm. Mm yep. Yep, they spoke Aramaic and Hebrew and this is written in Greek, and yep, it was <laughs> it was translated correct. Like well, this is the best version of the English translation they sh they could give us. It gets weirder when you get to the original. Like when you get to the original, because like you know, one of the reasons that seems weird is because that that's a that's a code mm -hmm. that like now it, they now they're getting into the Bible code. It's not like it's meant it's encoded. Like there's some kind of like other thing in there. Jimmy just pulled this up. The classical uh, Greek word. Sharagma, Sharagma, translated as Mark of the Beast in Revelation 13, 16, can also mean any mark engraved, imprinted, or branded, stamped money, document, or coin. The Mark of the Beast is interpreted differently across the four main views of Christian uh, eschatology. eschatology. Four main views of Christian eschatology. What are those? Well, the unfortunate part is that many of us grew up with one view and thinking that there's only one correct view to view the book of Revelation, which is the rapture left behind view of eschatology. There's actually other ones, believe it or not. There's That would be the premillennial view, meaning that everything is going to go bad, there's going to be a massive tribulation, and, and, and then Jesus is going to uh, rapture up the church to heaven and... Uh, or it's going to happen mid-tribulation. But the other two views, which, believe it or not, were held by like the Puritans and Jonathan Edwards, one of those is post-millennialism, that the church will influence the world for good because Jesus is on the throne now, and after a thousand year, whether that's literal or not, reign, then Jesus will come back and then the new heaven and earth will be established. It's called post-millennialism, all right? Then there's amillennialism. Amillennialism is a view where Jesus is ruling and he's on the throne now, but he hasn't, uh, he, he hasn't, he, he, it's, it's, it's in a spiritual sense. It's not in a physical sense, okay? And then I believe one of the, uh, that those are the main, the main three 
premillennialism, postmillennialism, amillennialism. If you're a postmillennialist, you're going to read a lot of this passage as this was specifically talking about Nero and this stuff specifically happened, already happened. So the 666 is about Nero, so on and so forth, right? Christians being uh, persecuted, um, the prediction of the temple being destroyed, those sorts of things, right? If you're reading it as a premillennialism, you're reading it as if Jesus can come back any moment now, okay? So just, just a little bit of background on the different views, and we've had folks from all over. I'll have more post-millennials on because I think it's the most intriguing position that's the least talked about, that 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 uh, people are just ignorant about, and they don't know that a big chunk of church history actually believed it, and folks we look up to actually believed it. And so we'll... Uh, We'll, we'll, we'll have more folks on it. Uh, Post-millennial, where y'all at? Yeah, it's a good question. All right, so let's go back to this conversation. Dude, so, that, so that's a code. You know, just one way to connect to it, and it helps when you're on a psychedelic, is forget it. Okay, hold on. So they, they went from eschatology to psychedelics. You, you can't make this up. Dude, so, that, so that's a code, number one. Two, you know, just one way to connect to it, and it helps when you're on a psychedelic, is forget about the whether or not any of it makes sense but imagine like a mind produced that yeah so whoever wrote that <laughs> like yeah what was their consciousness like dude that's some heavy shit. like and, and it's so specific mm -hmm. and when you get to the original at least I've, i haven't done it for the book of revelations but the book of john it's it becomes even more intense and more like wait what like in the beginning was the word logos logos so in the so that's you right. realize suddenly like within it is this psychedelic cosmology that in the beginning there was like truth, there was just truth, uh -huh. reality, yeah. yep. and then that truth like manifested, extruded itself into time space for a second to uh, like that, that. The logos is Jesus, John one one, right? In the beginning was the word, the word is logos, the logos is God, was God, uh, and, and yes, absolutely. So it's it's interesting how all these things could be acknowledged yet yet like psychedelics have to be slid in there. <laughs> like, like if they're talking about psychedelics, I'm like all of it's cool. But if it's just God being God and God engaging with His creation as the Creator, all of a sudden that doesn't make sense for some reason. But, but because of psychedelics, then it's like, what? Talk about heaven, or to talk about like the real reality outside the simulator, whatever you want to call it. And and and, and this is the best, and it gets translated in a lot of different ways. It was something like it was a light in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it. So it's like the truth appears in the darkness. The darkness is like, I don't, right. we don't even know what this is. I can't see it. I don't, I don't understand it. And then, and then that was the, like, Jesus is a representation of that, the manifestation of that possibility of like pure truth appearing in a no, Jesus is that. Jesus is truth appearing. Jesus is the word of God appearing. Jesus is the logos appearing. The word means, the, 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 the word for word is logos. So he's not just a representation. He, he actually is that. World of darkness. Yeah, and, and yeah, this is, we're quoting John 1 here, right? And, mm. whoa, dude, that's fucking cool. Regardless of historical truth or whatever, that's just a beautiful and deep, heavy way of talking about parallel universes or, mm. the, or, 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 or the possibility of things happening on a planet where people have gotten completely lost or suddenly in the midst of that, something appears that is... So the interesting part here, and, and I would actually really like to hear your guys' thoughts, right? Like, folks who are intrigued by the scriptures and see the value or the beauty of the scriptures, the gospel account, which is what he's getting at, right? Versus those people who take it and trust it as reliable. I think that people who are intrigued and are 
fascinated by the beauty of it, I think that's a good on-ramp, right? I think that's a good on-ramp. I think if you are starting from a place like Jordan Peterson or starting from a place like Duncan Trussell or where, where Joe Rogan is, I think that's a good on-ramp to go and investigate it further. Okay, let me pull up this passage. Here's what he's getting at. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and that and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. It's fascinating how well this gentleman quoted that back, right? A man came, one sent from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. This was the true light that coming into the world enlightens every person. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not accept him. But as many as received him, to him he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of a man, but of God. And the word, Jesus, the word, the logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. And when we saw his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's that, that, that's a very beautiful picture of this stuff. And so I'm, I'm impressed with how well he was able to, I wouldn't say just paraphrase it, but kind of quote it verbatim. So uh, Duncan Trussell was doing a, a good job with his, you know, uh, history, Bible history here. And uh, Joe Rogan seems, seems to be in it. And again, this conversation kind of, kind of derails and, and, and goes into a really interesting place. But I, I still think it, I still find it very fascinating. Isn't lost. It is like a pure representation of a higher consciousness or something. Sometimes it likes to talk. It's like when you, uh, it's like sending, like you're putting yourself in one of your Sims in Sim City. You just go down there and you're like, okay, like here's what's going on. <laughs> and then pop back out <laughs> and then they kill him that's the best part it's like the the and so the book of john i just looked this up because I'm, I'm writing about it but the book of john is, is john not synoptic and has all this weird shit and not that any of the other stuff isn't weird but particularly weird stuff in it and so those three gospels they have within them something that I've always struggled with understanding the logic, which is to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Sacrifice the God, child, drink his blood, sins cleansed. So what? You... That made no sense. Oh, no, 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 no. Now that got weird. Am I the only one that thinks that got weird? He's talking about drinking the, the, the blood of the child? I was with you until you start talking about drinking the blood of the child. All right. Now, I think what he was getting at is communion. But the, but that just that just flew out weird, right? We do communion in remembrance, and we and and you know some people believe the water and the wine literally becomes the blood and the flesh. But uh, that that definitely came out kind of kind of bizarre. Uh, whereas Book of John, it it has less of a, a focus on that, and and or, or the redemption through the crucifixion, and more saying the crucifixion itself was the ultimate because it was the like collision between light and darkness, where light. Instead of getting aggro, fighting back, just like prayed for the people killing it and died. And like, dude, you're not going to sleep at night if you're crucifying somebody who's praying for you. Sheesh. That's good. That's good. Wow. Who's like looking at you and loves you, not in a fake old spiritual way, but loves you and knows you. Mm. No, has known you forever and loves you and mm. truly forgives you. And known you forever. <laughs> I mean, this dude sounds like a 
a Christian in terms of the things he's saying about these things. I'm, 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 it sounds like he's also you know mixing in psychedelics and other stuff. But, but based on what's coming out of Duncan's mouth here, it sounds like he's a Christian, or at the very least, grew up Christian and still holds to some of these things. Oh, dude, that f the whole game of it ruins darkness. It's the ultimate atom bomb in the face of power. Yeah, go ahead and kill me, wow. dude. It's really cool. So, uh, you know. I love Rogan's response. Oh, like I, Jesus died for my sins and still loves me while I was a wretched sinner. And I probably would have been one of the people crucifying him because, whoa. Regardless, that book of Revelations and all of it. that stuff, I think it it clearly emanates from a, an expanded consciousness, if nothing else. Like, it, Do you think there really was a Jesus? Well, I think, you know, I read that controversial book by Reza Aslan about Jesus. It's pretty good. It's called... Oh, geez, Jamie, I'm sorry. I don't know the name of it. I, it's I'm so dumb, man. I can remember what books say, but I can't remember their titles. But yeah, he says, apparently there are references to Zealot. And it's controversial. I know some people don't like it, but I enjoyed it. But it says, like, apparently there are references to a Jesus, but never described as um, Messiah, but as a magician. <sighs> yeah, and, and it's not like he's co-signing this. He's saying that is one of the books attempting to rebuttal Jesus being the Messiah is that, oh, it's really a mistranslation and it says magician. Uh, that's a big. No, Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus claimed to be the Messiah and he claimed to be equal with God. That is why they wanted to crucify him, right? So charging him of blasphemy. He was going around healing people and stuff. Oh. So there is some reference to the, the being, but you know, I, like I, I get so bored with the attempt to find the historic Jesus, because I think it really misses the point altogether. Like, I, I, and this is where we in here would, would, would differ. I don't think it misses the point because I think if Jesus was real and if he was actually crucified under Pontius Pilate, that means that the tomb, there would have to be in the body and it been a tomb, right? So if Jesus was real, he was really crucified under Pontius Pilate, which history now testifies to, that means that there was a, a death. And if there was a death, that means there was a body, yet they can't find a body. Therefore, what happened to the body? And that's where I think you, you go down and you start building a very linear apologetics dialogue for this sort of thing. I, I think like you get so caught up in like trying to like find the grail or whatever mm -hmm. that you lose track of regardless of the truth of this being walking the earth. So he's talking about the truth in the mythology and the truth in the narrative and not in the truth of the actual factual events. See, I think it's, I think it's better than Duncan imagines. The, the good news is that it's both. It's and both. Right. That that if if you're taking the position of a Jordan Peterson or a Duncan and you're like, oh, man, like, I don't know if the historical Jesus really died for my sins. But the narrative is cool. The mythology is cool. I would say the mythology is incredible. And the mythology, believe it or not, drives a lot of our storytelling today. Tragedy, um, injustice, all these things that happen to Jesus drives all of our all of our modern day storytelling. But it's even better than that. It's even better than that. The tomb is still empty. There is no body. He he rose. And there's accounts. There's skeptics being converted to believe that he rose like Thomas, like his own brother, James. That, 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 that it's even better than just that. That it's actually true. That Jesus comes back. That he appears over 500 people at one point over the course of 40 days. And so that's that's the beauty of it. And, and, and this is why like I really do hope that they have 
a William Lane Craig or Dr. Sean McDowell or an inspiring philosophy or someone on to give a, a, a just a three-hour apologetics layout of this exact conversation because I think it's even better than just that's a cool story. Wow, the tragedy in this gentleman dying for my sins while praying for me and allowing himself to be laid like a lion, uh, excuse me, like a lamb to the slaughter. Like, I think it's even better than that. So that was a doozy of a video. If you want to see part two, where Joe Rogan gets into the Protestant Reformation and how we got our Bible and a psychedelic Christian conspiracy, click here. I'll see you over there, all right? Peace.